Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here for our 10 Takeaway podcast. Uh, Bucky in the studio. I am at the at the Casa. What's going on, Buck? How you doing, man? Everything is good, man. Great Sunday night football game to watch. Exciting Sunday. We're seeing the contenders kind of separate from the pretenders. No question. We'll get to that Sunday game uh, a little bit later on in the takeaways here. But let's uh, start off with takeaway number one from what we saw this Sunday. What do you got for us, Buck? Sean McVay has created a monster in Jerry Goff. Watkins is split out to the right side. Goff looks to Watkins, has him on a slant, touchdown Rams. It's a five-yard pass play from Goff to Sammy Watkins, and the Rams jump out on top 6-0 with 10.53 to play here in the first quarter. What an opening drive. Hey, look, we knew that Sean McVay was the offensive wizard based on what he did with Kirk Cousins, but what he has done with Jared Goff is nothing short of remarkable. A guy last year that we thought about that some people called the bust, didn't think he could play in the league, has become an absolute nightmare for defenses to have to deal with. Against the Saints, 28 completions, 43 pass attempts, 354 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That interception was off a tip. I'm seeing a quarterback that is confident, he's decisive, he's aggressive when he needs to be, and he is able to use all of the weapons available to him. As long as the Rams are able to play this style of ball, they're going to be a tough out because their quarterback is legit a top-ten quarterback. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I mean, you that game, and I had said uh, in one of our preview videos, I thought the key to this thing was them not taking their foot off the gas in this game. you got to just keep going. Do not slow down. You saw the Redskins kind of ease off the gas a little bit. Saints are able to catch up with Drew Brees. I thought they remained aggressive all through the fourth quarter of this game. And look, this is a game, they were in control of the football game. They threw it 44 times, they ran it 25 times. So they put this game in the hands of Jared Goff as a year two player. And I'm with you, Buck. I mean, you just we just see his confidence grow each and every week. Coming off a tough loss last week after they'd been rolling, he immediately bounces back against a good Saints football club. 
uh, and, and really out, outplayed Drew Brees. I mean, Brees, the numbers are okay. He could have been picked off two or three other times. He just dropped interceptions. I thought golf was dialed in, uh, put up 350, and did it pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, they were dialed in. He was using the entire field. I mean, you talk about not having one of his top weapons, and Robert Woods continued to get it done. He just changed who he went to. Sammy Watkins was more a factor through the Cooper Cup, continues to utilize the backs. He is really, really good at working all areas of the field. And I thought it was telling that Sean McVay, when the game was tight, he never dialed it back. He never necessarily put his foot on the brake. He continued to press the gas. That says that he has a lot of confidence in this young passer. And I think that should send signs to the rest of the National Football League that this dude is a legit quarterback. All right, before we get to takeaway number two, I got to tell you, Buck, this is an audio podcast, but I'm, uh, I'm Skyping in and I can see behind you. And just looking over your shoulder right now, I mean, I feel like I might throw up. I mean, it, it's just it's tough to look at when I see that around the NFL logo back there. It, is, uh, it hurts my soul. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I know this stuff. But we're going we're gonna to press we're gonna press through it. We're gonna push on. It's it's just it's audio, so they don't even they don't even know it's I over know, there. but I'm, I mean, I'm just waiting for a, a picture of Hans's face just pop up on that thing. It just totally throw me off my game, man. Uh, it's tough enough with that logo there. Anyways, I'm gonna move on. Let's uh, let's let's get to takeaway number two. Uh, and the takeaway number two for me is the NFC South is wide open. McCown with Coleman coming on a blitz. Oh, Yanked down by Horton, fumble the ball, picked up by the Panthers. Carolina scoops it. Keekley off to the races, to the 10, the 5, touchdown. And who is that guy, Keekley? You said <laughs> the defense is going to have to make a play, and guess what? Keekley comes up with a play after the sack. And sack, fumble. How about that? Yeah, that was, a, that was a bizarre game. A little bit closer, I think, than the Panthers would have liked against the Jets, but they found a way to get it done. And you look at where the Saints drop in a game. They come back to 8-3, and three, tied with the Panthers, and right behind them, quietly starting to figure things out. Atlanta Falcons, you, you touched on you know, the, the, the thought process there with, with Sark needing a little bit of time to get comfortable uh, with how to use these weapons. We saw Julio Jones go off today. Tampa has fallen off the map. They're 4-7. and seven. They're not going to be a factor, just going to play spoiler. But right now, Saints, Panthers, Falcons, any one of them can win this division. <laughs> any one of them can win the division. I think all three should make the playoffs. I'm, I'm looking at the rest of the NFC. I think those are probably the three most worthy teams that are in contention. One of those obviously is going to be the division winner. Two of the other guys will be wildcard teams. And when I look at these teams, not only are they able to put points on the board offensively, defensively they can get stops. Uh, the Falcons are coming into their own. Um, that offense is beginning to come together. We saw them feature Julio Jones, and then defensively they still have what we talk about, fastball pitches that you need to have because you need to be able to get after the quarterback. When I look at the Falcons, the Saints, and the Panthers, they all have the recipe that you need to have to be able to go into the playoffs, and I think because of that, all three will get there. And, and this is what I'm looking at, it, Buck. Am I crazy? Drew Brees, Super Bowl, right? Got a Super Bowl to yep. his credit. Cam Newton's been in a Super Bowl. Matt Ryan coming off Super Bowl last year. So this is, uh, this is not only three teams you could see getting in the postseason. I think these are three teams capable of making a pretty deep run. Now, I, I still think if you got to go to Philly, the way they're dialed in right now, that that's a tough ask for any of those three teams. But, man, they, they're capable of winning on any given Sunday. And they get in the postseason, there's some experienced quarterbacks, and that matters. Oh, it does matter because you have to be able to get your team into the winner's circle. And I think when you look at all those quarterbacks that you mentioned, they all have a proven track record of being able to get it done in the biggest games. And so as long as you have that franchise quarterback that has the ability in a one-and-done scenario to kind of raise his level of play to carry the team, 
I think you can do that. And I think we can say that each of those quarterbacks can do it. So, yeah, all those teams are viable contenders to be able to get it done. All right, let's uh, let's get to the next one here. This is this is a theme I think we've had throughout the year on this next takeaway. What do we got? The Jaguars are a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl team. Third and six on the 38. Trips to the right of Bortles, who's in the gun. Takes the shotgun snap, rolls right, throws right. Picked off by the Badger. Bortles threw it right to him. And the Badger goes out of bounds on the far side of the 40-yard line. You know, DJ, when I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, we talk about the core ingredients that you need to have to be a championship contender. You have to have a strong defense. You have to have a running game so you can control the clock. And you need to have a quarterback that can lift his level of play where he can be a franchise guy. And when I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, I can check off the boxes in so many different areas. But they're trying to go to the Super Bowl playing around their quarterback. And I simply believe that it's a thing that you can't do and win successfully. In this game, Blake Borders was fine, like 19 for 33, 160 yards. But he is the kind of quarterback that even when you try to make him a game manager, you don't have enough confidence and it affects your play calling. He is not the guy that is going to get the Jaguars over the hump. And ultimately, his fatal flaws will ultimately be the reason why the Jaguars fall short of their goal. Yeah, look, this is a tight division now. Uh, Tennessee Titans found a way to win kind of an ugly ball game against the Colts. So they're sitting there together with the Jags. It's going to come down to the end. And look, really, being honest, it's not on our – well, actually, it is on our takeaway list. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it next, so I don't want to spoil it here. Let's just get to number four here, and that is uh, Marcus Mariota needs to play better. This is second down and nine. Mariota takes the direct snap. Fires downfield, and the pass is – is it intercepted? Did Melvin take it away? He did indeed. Mariota threw it behind Douglas. And Melvin with the interception. Yeah, look, we talk about Blake Bortles inside this division. They're, they're sitting there right where they want to be, but they've, uh, they've got to get better quarterback play. I can say the same thing for the Tennessee Titans. Marcus Mariota's turned the ball over way too much. And, you know, I don't know. You know, you can look at it and say, okay, this one, you can know, put this on this guy or the other guy. Buck, there's, there's times where he just, the ball doesn't have enough pace on it. And I know he's got plenty of arm to do it, but for some reason he takes a little bit too much off the ball at times. It hangs up. And uh, they've been some easy interceptions here. What is that, six over the last two weeks that he's had? So he's he's got to be better. They found a way to win around him. Uh, you talk about playing a Colts team that's three and eight now. Uh, they found a way to get it done. Defense stepped up and made some plays. But, man, they've, they've got to get more consistent quarterback play. When you look at this division, those two teams are the only two really in the hunt. Titans, Jags, both of them. Pretty well-rounded teams, but the quarterback's got to play better. And I think Marcus Mariota kind of skates on some of this criticism we give to Blake Bortles. Uh, he does skate, and it's funny because I'm looking at numbers side by side. I'm looking at Bortles completing 58% of his passes, 12 to 8 touchdown interception ratio, passer rating of 79.5. Marcus Mariota comes in with a 63.1% completion rate, but 9 to 12 touchdown to interception Oof. ratio, um, a passer rating of 79.1. You're right. These guys deserve to be lumped in the same box based on numbers and the way they're playing, and both teams are playing around the quarterback. It's unfortunate because both of these teams are loaded with talent, but their quarterbacks are holding them back. We will see which one of these guys is able to get it rectified, if at all. All right, let's get to number five. What's number five on the list? Deion Lewis is the Patriots' X-factor in their playoff run. 
Third down and one for the Patriots. Brady pulls away, gives to Lewis, runs it left side. First down Bye-bye. and more. 20, 15, 10. A stutter step at the eight and across the five. Tackled by three Dolphins, including Michael Thomas. Whew. It's first and goal to go, New England. That kid is quick. You talk about the Patriots and the way they're able to, I guess, be a chameleon each week. They can change and be whatever they need to be to win. But we know in the playoffs you have to have a legitimate running game just to be able to balance the game out of control of the clock. I believe Deion Lewis is going to be the guy that gives them that balance. 100-yard game today gives them the ability to run inside and outside, and he looks like he's all the way back. A couple years ago he might have been one of their most dynamic playmakers um, coming out the backfield, catching the ball, doing some things that we thought he was an unstoppable force before he tore his knee up. Now he's looking like the Deion Lewis of old. They put him back in the mix in the last couple of weeks. We've kind of seen him show flashes. Today was a great illustration of what he can be when they put the load on his shoulders. Remember, Buck, when uh, the UFC first got going, um, I mean, those early years, because it was you didn't have – uh, you, they would say, okay, this is a match between a boxer and a wrestler. This is a match between a Muay Thai fighter and a karate uh, champion. Yep. It was now it's mixed martial arts, truly. I mean, you've got these guys that are trained in everything, jiu-jitsu, boxing, wrestling, the whole deal. Like when I look at the Patriots, I think some of these teams, they're, they're so specific in their styles. And the, the Patriots, they're just a well-rounded fighter. You want to win with the backs, they'll win with the backs. They'll hit you with speed at the receiver position, and they hit you with size at the tight end position. Have games where they need to run the ball, they can do that. They want to go down the field vertical, you get Brandon Cooks involved. I mean, they can just go so many different directions with their offense, offense and it changes from week to week. It does change, and I give them credit because you talk about a team being a matchup team. They're able to quickly identify what your biggest vulnerabilities are, and they relentlessly attack them. And because they've – I mean, we can talk about their roster may not being one that is full of A-level players, but a bunch of Bs and B-pluses. And they're able to put their B-pluses in a situation where they can play like A's because they go against inferior players on the other side. Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady, they just really understand how to manipulate the matchup game. And it works. And Deion Lewis is a big part of their ability to manipulate the game from that standpoint. Well, as we said on uh, on Game Day Live, when we were t- watching this game today, Tom Brady four tubs. It's a Game Day Live term. We'll uh, we'll keep it here on the podcast. But look, four more touchdown passes for Tom Brady. He's definitely on his way to another Pro Bowl. And uh, that brings me to this: the uh, the Pro Bowl vote is here. It's time to vote for your favorite NFL players. This year, the game was going to be held in Orlando. All you got to do is go to NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote and uh, vote for your favorite player. You want to see him in the game? It's up to you to make it happen. All right, let's uh, let's get to number six here on the second half of the show here. Like, this is pretty simple to me. Just let's let Jimmy play. Garoppolo's going to take a shotgun snap here. This will be the last play, likely. Garoppolo flushed to his left. This is the final play of the game. Looking and fires to the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown. Murphy with a touchdown catch on the final play of the game and Jimmy Garoppolo has a touchdown pass as a 49er. Yeah, they got him in late after Bethard got hurt and it was very limited. Just a couple couple opportunities there, two for two and threw a touchdown and kind of garbage time there against the Seattle Seahawks. But you got to see a little bit of what Jimmy could do in that little tiny little slicer. You saw him move around, extend plays. He's got plenty of arm to do what he wants to do there. From that standpoint, I know they don't have a great team around him. I know the offensive line isn't very good. They need to add some other pieces, and I've heard he needs time 
to learn the playbook. Buck, I'm not buying this whole thing that somehow a rookie, because he's had a whole offseason, you know, he's going to be that much further advanced in this system when Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing under Josh McDaniels and had to swallow that system in New England. I, I don't buy that whole scenario. He's just, hey, you know, he just he's not ready yet. He doesn't know. We didn't know the offense. We can't put him out there. Jimmy Garoppolo with a 50% understanding of Kyle Shanahan's offense is going to be more effective than C.J. Beathard would be with 100% grasp of this offense, which I don't think any rookie even has 100% grasp of their offense. So there's a lot of different theories out there of why they want to keep him out or why they've been holding him back. I won't get into that. I just know from right now where this team is, 1-10. in 10. This guy didn't have a ton of experience. This is valuable experience he could be getting here at the end of the season. Oh, absolutely. But I also understand why they wanted to hold him out because they knew he would be subject to all the criticism, all the eyes would be on him. So I understand Shanahan's thinking you want to give him the best opportunity to be successful. But what I saw in that short minute clip of him having an opportunity to play, look, man, he is a talented player. He's athletic. He has the arm strength and he has a level of confidence that I think you can see inspire his teammates. It's time to kind of let's get him out the bubble wrap. Let's see what he can do because if he's going to be your franchise quarterback going forward, why not put him on display for the world to see? Yeah, that's uh, that's my thoughts exactly. What's next on the list? Joe Mixon is as good as advertised. On first down, here's a pitch to the left. Mixon down to the five, fighting for the goal line. Touchdown, Bengals, as Mixon takes it the final 11 yards and begins a dance in the back of the end zone. You know, when I look at Joe Mixon and what he was coming out in the draft, we thought he, I thought personally that he was the most talented running back at the position because you simply don't find big running backs, 6'2", 225 pounds, who can run the ball with power, also run with finesse, but then be a playmaker in the passing game. He has shown already that he can do it. When I look at the numbers just from today, 26 touches, 165 scrimmage yards. And since the Bengals have kind of done away with the rotation system and left him in as the feature back, we have seen him show that special potential. I believe he has an opportunity to be a star in this league, and he's one of the reasons why the Bengals are quietly creeping back into playoff contention. Yeah, the Bengals aren't dead yet. Five and six football team right now. They have had no running game. I think finally getting him some touches here, 23 carries, like you mentioned, get him uh, in his own a little bit. They got it cranked up and, and got some things going. It's, uh, you know, look, the Browns can't find a way to, to get a win. I thought Kaiser had one of his better days, no touchdowns, no picks, ran the ball pretty decently, uh, had a touchdown on the ground, but I thought had some drops. Corey Coleman had a big drop in this ball game, but overall I thought Kaiser uh, handled himself all right here against the Bengals. All right, Buck. Let's uh, let's keep the train rolling here. Let's get to uh, let's get to number eight on the list, and let's stay at the running back position. Let's stay with the rookies. And uh, tell you what, man, Alvin Kamara, uh, he is uh, he's the leader of the pack right now in this rookie of the year race. Kamara is in for the first time on this drive. He'll take the handoff, running right, sprints it to the second level, across the 40, 45, 50. Now inside Rams territory, along the sidelines at the 20, 15, 10, breaks a tackle at the five, into the end zone. Touchdown, Saints, 74 yards. Yeah, I mean, look, this is, uh, this is a game the Saints do not win, but I thought he was easily, if not the best, one of the best players on the field in this ballgame. Anytime they needed to play, just check it down to, to Kamara and watch him go. Linebackers couldn't cover him. They couldn't tackle him. Had, uh, gosh, he had, what, I think he had 87 yards rushing 
And then was he over? I think he was over 100. Was he over 100 in uh, receiving? Yeah, six for a buck one and a touchdown receiving. So uh, getting him 11 touches and he gets almost 200 yards on only 11 touches. Uh, he was outstanding. Uh, I mean, he is a monster. He is everything that we talked about. I think we both had first round grades on him when he was coming out. I still can't figure out why he slid to the third round. <laughs> I, I really can because when you look at him um, and you look at what Christian McCaffrey does and what Alvin Kamara can do, like they're very, very similar players. And I'm looking at the way Sean Payton has used him. Um, being able to kind of use him in space as that hybrid, uh, whether he can run routes from the outside, whether he runs them from in the backfield, he is wearing defenders out on these option routes, coming out the backfield, working one-on-one, we can go inside or outside. He is a difference maker, and I agree. He has to be the front runner for the Rookie of the Year award because he's not only a dominant player, but he gives you the splashy highlights that typically catch the eyes of voters when you think about who the best rookie in the league is. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I'm still having a hard time concentrating with that around the NFL uh, logo on that monitor. Back there. I feel like I feel like I'm Ohio State and Baker Mayfield has taken the flag and just put it right in the 50 yard line here. It's just it's not cool, man. It's not it's not okay. Not over it. Uh, let's uh, let's get to number nine on the list, man. We are we're going. We got a lot of rookie topics today. What we got number nine here? Pat Mahomes is not the answer for the Chiefs. So Kendrick West to the right of Alex Smith. Third down, they're going to fire a pass. It's intercepted on the left side. Intercepted by the Bills at the 50, down to the 45-yard line. And to the 30, to the 25, Alex Smith hits him, but he's still on his feet. It's Tredavious White, and he's at the 10 and pulled down from behind, and that will end it. Man, there are the people that are calling for Pat Mahomes to replace Alex Smith. Oh, we got to get him out. We're not making enough plays. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. They need to go and put Pat Mahomes in. And I'm, I'm looking at these numbers, DJ, and look, I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to preface it. Alex Smith has had four interceptions in the last three games. But in spite of that, he's completing over 68% of his passes. He has a 19-4 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. His passer rating is 104.5. I don't care at any time in this league, those are not numbers that tell you that you need to bench that quarterback. And so <laughs> I know people are calling for Pat Mahomes to come in because they want to see the long ball. But right now what is happening extends beyond what the quarterback is doing, this is a recipe where there's something wrong with the running game. The running game is not producing. We're not seeing enough Kareem Hunt. He has been the guy that has disappeared the last four or five weeks. They need to get him back into the mix, and then you'll see the quarterback and the deep ball come back into effect. Yeah, that's one of those things when I'm watching them play, I'm like, okay, that's I got to find a way to watch some of their tape and see what the heck is going on with their running game because it is that was brutal to watch against the Buffalo Bills. They could get nothing going. Kareem Hunt, 11 carries for 17 yards. So just nothing. Uh, I remember once upon a time he was the uh, rookie of the year. We just all but shipped him the award. Oh, boy. Uh, they, yeah. Yeah, so much for that. That That's uh, that's over. But, I mean, look, Alex Smith to me is uh, – I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. He's like this – he's just like the contact hitter second baseman, Buck. You know, like he's, he's just kind he's of a itchy, steady Eddie. He's each row. He's nice, nice on base percentage. That, yeah, he's still a couple bags. Uh, but they're looking for somebody to come in there that's going to hit 35 home runs, and that's not who he is. But to be honest with you, I don't know that they're going to like all that comes with Pat Mahomes and some of those home runs he hits because he's going to hit some home runs, but there's going to be a lot more strikeouts. A lot more strikeouts. But, but, but even in thinking about this, can you imagine what the Jacksonville Jaguars would be if they had an Alex Smith playing quarterback? Like just think about that. It, there's a, 
a lack of appreciation for his game. And I'm not saying that, oh, he's a top-10 quarterback, he's a top-5 quarterback. What I am saying is he's a winning quarterback, and when the things around him are right, they can win games. Right now, the things around him aren't right. And I don't know if Pat Mahomes' uh, skill set can mask the things that are kind of plaguing the Chiefs right now. And so, look, they're a 6-5 team, but their issues are not necessarily all on number 11. They need to figure out a way to be better balanced on offense because when they're better balanced, that's when you see Alex Smith able to unleash the deep ball and do some things that the fans want to see. Although with this loss by the Chiefs, the team that I, I swear you were ahead of the pack on this. I know a lot of people said it this last week, but you were saying this two, three weeks ago. Chargers are still the best team in the AFC West. And there was there were some eye rolls at that point in time. You look at they were down so far in the division. Now we're starting to see them get rolling a little bit. The Chiefs have come stumbling back to the pack. I think they've lost, what, five of their last six games. They've been a mess. The Raiders they squeak out a game, or they win a game against the Denver Broncos in a fight fest, which was a total – it was ugly. Then you have Cooper gets hurt. You've, you've got Crabtree. Who knows if he's going to be suspended – They've got all their issues, and here they are, the Chargers. Just take up the uh, take up the uh, big win there in Dallas on Thursday. They can put their feet up and watch this division kind of come right back to them. And I, I think you might have been right, Buck. I think you might have been ahead of the bunch there on the Chargers being the best team in this division. Well, I need them to keep winning so I can be right, because then I can I can mark the tape and we can play it back. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's something we will do. I, I have not I am not afraid to. Uh, to give you the full push in the back and just uh, <laughs> let the folks know here. My man knows what's going on. All right, let's get to the last one here. A really, really close game. Brett Hundley shocked me with how well he played in this after what we'd seen previously. Uh, he had a solid game, but to me, the biggest takeaway in this is Antonio Brown is a bad man. For the moment, James Conner, the rookie from the University of Pittsburgh, is in there with a chip block down the sideline. Caught on the run by Antonio Brown. Touchdown. This is uh, one of those weeks. I, man, we need to uh, roll this. We did a debate one time on Brown versus Odell Beckham. Who would you rather have? And we kind of kicked around that debate. But after what Julio did this week, after what we saw Antonio Brown do in the Sunday night game, I mean, how good is this man? I mean, there's not. They were trying to bracket him. He was snapping guys off. He's just. It's ridiculous. I mean, he's a monster playmaker on the outside. I mean, say what you want to about him. Part of um, the intrigue when we talk about number one receivers, how are they able to function when they finally start facing double teams? And with both guys that you talk about, Antonio Brown and even Julio Jones, when they get double teamed, they continue to still impact the game. And so that's the deciding factor. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, they didn't have Juju Smith-Schuster today. It was a one-man show in terms of Antonio Brown being outside on the perimeter. They still have Levy and Bill. When you're looking at that team, in particular Pittsburgh Steelers, when their stars are playing, it's going to have a tough time beating them. And I think that's one of the reasons why we expect them and the New England Patriots to be the last two teams standing at the end. I'm anxious to see what the touches are for Lev Bell at the end of the year. All those folks that said, hey, he should hold out and get that money, I think they're going to have a leg to stand on here. Uh, once we get to the end of the season, you see this tally of carries they are putting on Lev Bell. Caught 12, what did he catch? 12 balls in this game for 88 yards. Another 20 carries. The number of games this year where he's been over 30 touches has got to be high. I mean, he is uh, – look, they're rolling with him. He's leading the league in rushing. But, uh, man, it is uh, – those those carries are touches and are just piling up here, Buck. Yeah, piling up because it, it, it seems like they're ready to move on. So they're going to ride them to the wheels fall off, and they're going to let someone else have to pay for that. And so it is tough 
because he did have all the leverage. He had all the sway. He was sitting on the franchise tag. He had the opportunity to sit out and really kind of force their hand. He elected to eventually come in, which is understandable. But I don't know if how, how can he get a long-term deal when you look at it because obviously from our seat, we're going to look at the mileage and we're actually going to hold the touches and the production against him because we're going to wonder as he gets older with that much mileage on the tires, can he continue to deliver at a high level? I wonder if it affects his payday down the road. Now it's uh, something to talk about here once we get to the off season, but uh, definitely seeing those numbers pile up. All right, Buck, that's uh, that's it for us, man. That's our ten takeaways. Like keep it nice and tight. I do know this on our Tuesday podcast, we are going to have so much college stuff to get into in terms of some of these guys looking forward to prospects and the draft and what happened in all these big games last week. I know, you know, we're trying to focus on the draft. We gotta, we gotta jump into this coaching carousel. But this is the craziest year I've ever seen. Man, it's nuts. Uh, absolutely bananas. And what took place in Tennessee is something that I've oh, never man. seen before. I can't even imagine how that's gonna play out or who eventually wants that job. Yeah, no question. All right, let's. Uh, that's something we can get into on Tuesday's pod. Uh, Chris filling in for us again today. Great job producing. Appreciate you, buddy. And then uh, Sully will be back this week. So we're excited to get him back in the fold and that's going to do it for us thank you guys so much for downloading thanks for listening uh thanks for telling a friend as well we appreciate it we'll catch you next time thanks for downloading move the sticks with daniel jeremiah and bucky brooks for more go to nfl.com slash podcasts This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.